Hi, welcome to the Pretty Intense Podcast. I'm Danica Patrick. Thank you so much for listening. Today on the show is Aaron Alexander. He has an amazing method called The Alignment Method. He has a book called The Alignment Method. He has a podcast called The Alignment Podcast. He is also a movement coach and a manual therapist. All you have to do is check out his Instagram, which is Align Podcast is his Instagram, and check out just like how he moves and the things that he does with his body to create stacking and alignment. And I say that, but that's not actually what we talked a ton about in this episode. This episode had a lot to do with the emotions and your mind and your reality and just sort of like where your body stores tension and then how that sort of like shows up in your life as like, you know, if you are tense about a relationship, you tense your body up and how there's no separation between the physical body and the mental emotional body. And, you know, even one of my favorite therapies, which I would have imagined to be a mental emotional therapy, he said is a somatic body therapy, which is EMDR, because it's a rapid eye movement. So it's like using the body to access information. And um, uh, it's just, you know, the conversation was very, very deep and very, very flowy and very emotional and really going into all the aspects that create our reality and 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 the way that we show up and the challenges that we have and essentially how we just get out of alignment with ourselves. So I hope you really like this episode. I hope you learn a lot. Please hit subscribe. And if you want notifications for the episodes, the bell. And please let me know what you think about this episode in the comments and maybe some modalities that you use to help yourself both physically and mental, emotionally. How are you today? I am well. I just got back from the gym. It's incredibly sunny. It's like, I think 75 degrees or something in Austin. So I've been spending um, a lot of time outside, which is good. I was wondering where you lived. I wasn't sure if it was like California or... No, I joined I joined the mass migration to Austin, Texas. I'm a part of that. <laughs> In like 2020 or 2021? 2021? Yeah, a year and a half ago. Oh, why? Um, I was just I've been in LA for five years and was feeling like ready for some type of change in general. And then with all like the lockdown stuff and politics. I was kind of like good on hearing people's opinions about things um, and also taxes and then also community would be my my bullet point list of why Austin mm. is a reasonable place. How about but, that bullet? How about that list? Do you feel like you check? Have you checked it off? Yeah. Yeah. What, like, what's the reality of Austin versus the idea of Austin? What Austin lacks, I would say, is geographically, it's not that interesting. You know, it's like a lot of like rivers, you know, it's very, it's very, it's the, it's the most like normal place that I've lived in my life. Other than I grew up in Pennsylvania, but mm -hmm. I moved, to, I moved to Hawaii when I was 18 and then Boulder, Colorado, and then Bend, Oregon, and then Santa Monica, you know, so all the places I lived were very like idyllic places that, you know, from around the world be like, wow, that'd be amazing to go on vacation there. Austin's the first place that I've lived that feels like it's like Minnesota. You know, it's like it's very like normal. Come American on now. Place. There is nothing Minnesota about well, <laughs> Austin, Texas. Ge ge just geographically, it's not like the postcard 
kind of reality <laughs> that like Hawaii or Colorado is, for example. Like I'm from the middle of nowhere in Illinois. So like Minnesota feels real similar. And I'd be like, no, no, Austin's way, way, way cooler and better than. Uh, it's way cooler and better. No, no, it's not Minnesota. It's just, it's the closest thing to that. Whereas LA is like very, you know, it's a bunch of dreamers and all the things. Austin is that now because a lot of that demographic came here. Um, but it's it's more it's just more normal, which I think is good. Like I'm saying normal in a, in a good way. Like there's something nice about people that are, I think, a little bit more like down to earth in a way, um, a little bit more dependable um, people that are like, cool, like we're here. Let's mm. just be here. Mm. Whereas L.A. has more, I think, of a temperament of um, yearning for something else. Like we're all here for something else. Like, what are you here? I'm like, I'm here to fulfill this dream. You Be know? an actor. Yeah, whatever it is. And like, whatever I met now, it's mm -hmm. not this. Like, I'm here to be somewhere else. Ah. Whereas there's certain places in the rest of America or United States that's a bit more like, oh, like, you know, what are you like? What are you doing here? I'm like, I'm an electrician, and I'm I have a family, and I'm here. This is it. It's like, oh cool like that's great like there's something kind of you gratifying feel about like that. you fit in did you fit into that i'm not where i want to be when you lived in california is that sort of part of the part of the um process of of being in that area or do you feel like that was never you i fall into that category that's yeah that's been something i've i've been um i think working on reconciling for a while oh let's talk about and that yeah yeah we can um and that is something that i am i think i'm in process of finding more consilience with where i'm at and where i want to be and just accepting myself in the moment and like now and like this is good like i love me now like i, I love my house i love my car i love what i'm doing i love this conversation like i love being here um compared to the possibility of most things uh being like means to an end you know does this lead me to there mm. you know and that's how you used to feel more of the time when i visited egypt i was introduced to an expert aromacologist who explained the healing powers of various scents i returned home with 18 bottles of powerful essences that unlocked specific feelings and had all sorts of healing properties i became inspired to find a functional way to deliver them in a new consumer lifestyle product candles became my medium voyant means seer a reference to the inner eye chakra one of the key energy points in the body essential to wellness and healing. Voyant is a doorway to openness and imagination, a catalyst in our daily journey. Whether you're connecting with others or enjoying alone time, Voyant strives to beautify the home and the soul, to create a haven of peace and joy. The candle is delivered with a beautiful monogram 12-ounce stemless wine glass, which can be used after the wax is gone. My limited edition candle collection is available exclusively at voidbydanica.com. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a certain magnetism of a place like Los Angeles. And I think I fell into, somewhat fell into like some of the stereotypical category of I went there to like grow my business, grow my mm -hmm. podcast, 
you know, get a, a book deal and like, you know, make something of myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, and I was, I was successful to, to at least semi-successful at doing that. So I'm very grateful to LA. I'm not mm -hmm. like poo-pooing on LA in any capacity. Um, but a part of that as well is, is being, or part of the, the life thing is, is finding gratitude and contentment and fulfillment with what you have in front of you because you have so much probably um and then from there building upon that compared to building from a place of lack and anticipating feeling fulfilled once i arrive some other place that's just you know a bunch of bunch of hooey what uh what were some of those sort of shadow aspects that you feel like you confronted that helped you feel more at peace or um content hmm um, well, I'm in therapy right now for the first time that I'm, I'm really like actively excited about therapy. I like High look five. forward to it. Everyone yeah, should be in therapy. It's forever, so cool. Forever. And yeah, you should, be, so should be therapy for yourself. Yeah. Like I used to like a hundred years ago and I had all many lifetimes ago, like therapy was for a relationship, right. but like, that's just, that's just a bandaid in my opinion. Like therapy is of the utmost importance and it should always be for yourself. Yeah. Well, so for me, a relationship is what catalyzed the necessity of said therapy and the, okay. the reflection of how much, um, how disconnected from all of myself that I've been mm -hmm. largely mm -hmm. like childhood bits. Yeah. And there's been a, a, a lot of, um, self abandoning, I guess I could say. And a lot of like young, boy even like baby statues of myself within myself where it's kind of like frozen like, your, like vision of your inner child is like very statuesque like little boy yeah well the statues in the sense like, that it's it's like aspects of myself frozen in time because at some mm -hmm. point in time i didn't have the resources or the capacity to address it and i think that's the definition of trauma Mm -hmm. And trauma mm -hmm. is one of those word that's, words that gets tossed around a lot, particularly mm -hmm. if you live in a place like Southern California uh, or, or Austin, for that matter. And sometimes it just, can be- Just Southern California. <laughs> yeah. And so I can I, I historically have had somewhat of an allergy of sorts to different buzzwords like that, mm. doing, the, doing the work, trauma, mm. you know, reparenting, yeah. inner, chi inner child. Mm. And then you- you get involved and you're like, oh my God, this is, this is, it. this is actually a thing. I didn't have no like, Holy shit. Why am I crying right now? Oh yeah. my God. Why am I crying right now? <laughs> yeah. And having, having very clear visuals, like psychedelic level visuals, not psychedelic, like sacred geometry spiraling out, you know, lizards crawling up my, my chest or anything, but, but psychedelic in the sense of just very vivid visuals of um, almost more clear than psychedelics, I would say of myself um as a baby and uh mm -hmm. feeling feeling like lonely feeling alone uh and feeling uh, afraid to love mm -hmm. and afraid to open myself up to love because i don't trust love because i'm afraid that i will be hurt uh, again and, yeah again and so that a part of the, the like the visual that i've i've learned the visual experience that i've had that's that's educated me and now talking to my parents more like the, one of the visuals I've had is, is uh, my parents in kind of like a statuesque type form, 
mm-hmm. uh, almost like two chess pieces, like a king and queen, mm-hmm. and looking away from me, but like wanting to look back, but not mm-hmm. not knowing how or not. How? You know, yeah, they didn't have the tools. They didn't have the tools, and yeah. so they so they were and are still in a lot of ways, um, maybe lack resources or perhaps afraid in some way or just calloused over in in some aspects of like deep authenticity with their own access to intimacy and trusting of love. Of course. And then so within that, your parents love you to the max degree that they can. Yep. And they're they're hurt people and they're lovely people and they're beautiful people and they're they're all of the things. But a part of of that most people also are a little hurt. And that's not everyone. Some people might have completely cleared their baggage of the past no, and their ancestry no, and all of that. No, I don't know. know. It could, true. it could, it could exist. I'm, I'm just not barring that out as an impossibility. Okay. You know, maybe there's some like bodhisattva figures out there that's like, no, we've Highly really, improbable. I've really, I've really unpacked the shit. Like there is no more shit to unpack. There is nothing left underneath this tree. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my feeling is, is if a person was in that orientation, I don't know that they would hold a body anymore, which gets a little out there. Oh my God, that's exactly the truth. No, I totally agree. I, yes, I mean, through like psychedelics and seeing certain things, like understanding that this is not real and we agree to this. And part of me also has said, like, I wonder if certain things are just inherent with this experience of being a human. And if you didn't buy into these sort of constructs and have these polarity dynamics, I wonder if you'd even be here. Because when you know that it's not real or you don't buy into the the game, like I really truly wonder if you could hold form. Yeah, you might not need to. I mean, that's the belief system. Western culture generally has a bit of dis-ease around the concept of death. You know, it's like really sad and it's like devastating and it's a shame and it's a travesty mm-hmm. and it's a question mark. And it's a lot of that. I don't think there's a there's not a, a lot of of definition around death as being something that's really beautiful or something yeah. that's that's mm-hmm. really like um at least as beautiful as life, you know, or as birth. And then perhaps even like there's a I think maybe Ram Das or Alan Watts or something like this has has a bit of around, you know, if you graduated early from the fourth grade and you like got sent to the seventh grade it would be like, wow, this is amazing. Like, this is not a bad thing. It's not like, it's like, oh my God, I'm not in the fourth grade anymore. And so if you go to India, which I haven't been, but I've heard stories of this, uh, death is one, public. Uh, two, you're exposed to it because you probably live with your parents. Um, and so just throughout one's life, you're going to be exposed to death. And then the way that they do burials, like you can see the body and they put them in the the, the river, the Genghis River, whatever it's called. And it's just very like, it's like a mm-hmm. big part of life. And life becomes more this preparation for death, but mm. much more entwined relationship to death. Mm. Uh, and also, it could be considered like a graduation of sorts. So mm. if someone dies, quote unquote, young, yeah. that could also be something like, cool, they like, they, they, they didn't need this body anymore. Mm. You know, and I don't, I don't personally align or misalign with that. I just, am aware that it feels like there's a lot of kind of like shadowy kind of curiosity empty space around the concept of death in our culture and we just don't want to talk about it i was going to ask what you thought the percentage 
of well-being is attributed to if you were to divide up 100% of physical. In the heart of Napa Valley lays Somnium, which means to dream in Latin. The Somnium Vineyard Estate is an extension of the love and intensity that I pour into everything I do. To experience our wines, visit SomniumWine.com and use the code SOMNIUM to receive a $10 flat shipping rate. Please drink responsibly. Versus emotional mental. Like how yeah. much of what, what, how would you divide that up? Because that's kind of how I think we'll divide up the time today because you do uh -huh. deal a lot with the physical body, but I wonder what you think the value of that is as a percentage. I don't know that it's tough to differentiate a percentage because I think that they are congruent. Then we have to establish what well-being is. So if you, I think if right? you, if you, so you could make the body be fit, like physically fit. Right. But sometimes, for example, a person might be really flexible, but they mm -hmm. might carry a massive amount of tension somewhere in the body. Mm -hmm. Right. Or they might be really strong or like any of the things they might seem like in really great shape but oftentimes what that is i would fall into this category they're they're really brilliant at compensating mm -hmm. and they've they've oftentimes what looks like the cover of muscle and fitness or you know you might see like the rock or somebody like that and you see that you're like wow he's jacked and awesome and better than me and like nothing could be wrong in his life like look at that and so I think that it's it's easy to get, and I don't know the rock, so you know he might be in this bodhisattva category, but <laughs> nothing. It, it, it's very easy to get confused by just physical largeness or chiseledness or something of the sort. You man, you just want bigger muscles all the time. It's always more. Yeah, for a girl, bigger butt or no, you know, a I'm better not in that waist category. waist no. waist to hip I'm ratio. Like, Hi, give me a smaller ass. I want a smaller ass. Oh, that's good. Good for you. I love that. Bucking <laughs> bucking bucking the norms of the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so yeah, so someone I would say I fall in the category of like a a a really good compensator. And so an example of compensation in the physical body would be a person that maybe like they pull their shoulders back they puff their chest out and then from the time if they did like a like a high school yearbook photo be like wow they look pretty good like they've pulled it all back big chest big strong shoulders but physically posturally what that that will do if you haven't integrated that through the whole body is you'll just end up tipping the pelvis forward too much and go into hyperlordosis and you know, you might have your feet end up going a little externally and into pronation and you just don't see it in the yearbook photo. Mm -hmm. So you don't see the part that that people are looking right at. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of us are focusing on what do people see and what do I see in a mirror? And that's fine. And it will uh, it will burble up and it will manifest itself as something, you know, and and, and so. I think a are you saying like a, a a true physical challenge meaning some kind of back issues or your some joint issue or are you talking about dis-ease in the body through more things like cancer or uh, autoimmune or something like that or both I don't I don't know about cancer and autoimmune I just had Gabor Mate on my my podcast just Love. like a, a week ago or that episode Love. just came out um and he he's he goes really deep into the relationship of like anger towards mm -hmm. oneself or anger in general, mm -hmm. swallowing one's anger as opposed to being able to like process and release mm -hmm. and that potentially manifesting itself into something 
where the body begins to you know like attack itself or like if there's maybe some kernel of self-hatred yeah. uh things of the sort you know i don't know enough about that to have any meaningful opinion okay. uh, the whole field is called psychoneuroendocrinology people mm -hmm. are interested in going deeper into any of that stuff peter levine is a great resource mm -hmm. waking the tiger within bessel van der kalk uh is really good as well the, the body keeps the score, keeps the score. Yeah. yeah all those are really great resources i have like more of a footing in is i think the way that that expresses itself in an orthopedic way and then also just in body language you know, so if a person really feels calm they feel safe they feel supported they feel loved they feel fulfilled they feel like ah oh, like this moment like i like this you'll notice probably they're not going to front and puff the their chest out in like a prideful way they'll just allow their shoulders to relax you'll notice the tone of their voice will probably start to be a little bit more a little lower a little slower a little like you'll notice their breathing patterns will be more geared towards a long relaxing exhalation it's yeah. really easy for them to you know so and, and there you'll notice their vision might be less myopically focused you know less like a shark get stuff done predator prey type relationship and your I'm eyes sorry, let me look away <laughs> yeah right exactly and your, your your eyes are continuous with your central nervous system and their neurological tissue that's like it is your brain and so all of these our senses are all uh, interrelated with our our thoughts feelings and physiological expression and so we have bought the idea that you know you're Danica Patrick I'm Aaron Alexander I'm uh you know, this is my profession this is my personality this is a car I drive this is this is who I am you're also an animal you're also you know like like this this is like mammalian reptilian old million year old creature or multi -year -old no that's a creature. conspiracy I'm not a reptilian no. yeah whatever you're you're also maybe spirit <laughs> right you're also you're also maybe a mother maybe a father maybe you know maybe a son maybe yeah, you're also hurt you're also you're like you're so many things you know but but we for ease and convenience we kind of put ourselves into a package for for easier pro easier processing you know but you can just when you start to look at the body language of a person i think you see a lot of honesty come out and it's mm -hmm. less story and more just ah here you are like your jaw is chronically tense your mm -hmm. muscles around your neck are uh, clamped down all the time your diaphragm is chronically contracted you're not able to take a full exhalation like you're blocked from exhaling exhalation is tied into the parasympathetic nervous system so perhaps you don't feel safe to exhale where did you learn that maybe it was something you learned before you even had words or not maybe it's something you learned when you're 15 maybe it's so it becomes you know the the emotional aspect of the self it just is congruent with the physical expression so can you separate those in a sense, like, obviously you're probably not taught like, oh, your exhale is your parasympathetic and this is how you, I mean, there's more thought, more, more narrative around, around breath work these days, but are you saying that you can also, you can come at it from the other perspective, meaning I feel like it's probably an adaptive sort of thing when you, totally. you're, you're tense because for some reason you needed to be yeah. programmed that way. Something happened in childhood where your environment 
conditioned you to adapt that way. So can you then now come at it from the other perspective of going like, okay, this is how you get out of being in sympathetic mode to drop into parasympathetic with these, uh, with these um, modalities that shift your pattern. Yeah. Yeah. It's not probably adaptive. It is adaptive. Yeah. It's great. Like, it's so cool. Like the body is so smart and the body is, is so honest yeah and it's so beautiful yeah and we don't really listen to it collectively it's like huh interesting oh yeah it's when you have something (laughs) pop up and all of a sudden you you know your whole body's covered in goosebumps and you're like and so those for me now i'm like oh that's a yes like that's a that's a that's like a that's like an energetic quantum field yes through the body and then other times you know you're like You tense yeah. up in your solar plexus or maybe in your heart, but you but you're not paying attention, right? You're just like, oh, that's nothing. But really it's information about your environment and what you need to be paying attention to. Yeah. Or maybe you don't want to pay attention because you prefer the narrative that you have sure. within your mind. Of course. Right. Which is also fine. And that's called denial, which is also fine. It's not is there's it? no I would say. I'm making this up right now. This is the first time I'm I'm like I'm going into this stuff, which I can get in trouble in podcasts and recorded conversations where we'll go into territories like I've never been here, but here we are. Um, but I would I would say that would be denial. Yes. If you are and I could, you know, be wrong about this. So please like play devil's advocate. But if your mind, the story that you have goes against your visceral yes, no. Mm-hmm. Personally, if I were betting, I would lean on the visceral mm-hmm. answer or mm-hmm. solution mm-hmm. compared to the mental answer or solution. Well, and so yes. if you're if your mental has so much bandwidth because you're all like living above your shoulders, you're all in your head, you don't really have a strong relationship to your your interoceptive self, which is a 50 mm-hmm. cent word for like feeling your internal experience, mm. which is also tied to eating disorders, which is interesting. Mm. A person that has lower interoceptive IQ would also be, have a higher likelihood of having some type of disordered eating, which is kind of interesting. Also like anxiety and things of the sort, because there's a disconnect sure. from my relationship to myself. Yeah, There's a disconnect with that. I, it's, I, I don't want to feel it, or maybe I never learned how to feel it, or maybe I never learned it was safe to feel it, or maybe I never even learned it was a thing to feel because I've been full on books, podcasts, screens, you know, and what I should do as opposed to who I am, which I know this is getting like very like maybe metaphysical and out there, but it no, like I think it's great. Anymore. No, the audience loves this stuff. They love okay. the <laughs> metaphysical, scientific. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I believe that's 100% the case because whatever happened in your childhood programming taught you that you're to survive because essentially the point is surviving, right? So uh, when we're a child, we can't feed ourselves. We can't drive ourselves to school. We can't, you know, there's so many things that we can't go to the grocery store yet. So to survive, we do actually need to adapt. And so, you know, disconnecting from those feelings within ourselves that are screaming something, which are telling and giving us information about our parents, our environment, or our caretaker, we have to turn it off. And that's a means of survival. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's bad all the time would be hard. So you disconnect. Yeah. And so coming into that, I think that there's for, for me, at least, um, I, I personally have experienced and per- hopefully it resonates with somebody, but some level of uh, denial and maybe even like shame around not being uh, like fully integrated 
as a man. Really? And how how did that show up? Uh, just not not really having availability to vulnerably look at myself in something that's like not a, a, like a, a full. So your perfect. own shame, not someone else making you feel shameful. No, no, no. Me, yeah, shame? me, me, me feeling subconsciously ashamed because oh, I'm still kind of like locked in old hurt boy modes in certain in certain ways. But how did you become aware? That's beautiful. Therapy. <laughs> I'm back to therapy. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I think I think a somatically based therapy, particularly, you know. So there's there's different versions of that. There's somatic experiencing would be something. Hakomi method would be something. Somatic somatic experiencing comes from Peter Levine. Hakomi comes from I don't know the founder of that off the top of my head right now. Um, also, EMDR is an example Love. of that at all. Yeah. Oh, is that uh, a somatic? Really? Somatic just means of the body. So so if you're doing a talk therapy where it's just two talking heads talking about the things in their heads yeah i personally don't get a ton of value from that because it feels more like a person giving you fish compared to leading you to water and teaching you how to fish and i, I believe that when you when you are working from a, a place with a a skilled practitioner who is able to observe where are you manifesting some type of contraction or sensitivity or like quote unquote trigger of sorts where you're like whoa like notice your eyes change a little bit notice you're kind of like self-soothing noticed your voice went up a little bit when you said that like let's stay with that there's something there mm. and they're like okay maybe close your eyes let's like okay now bring your awareness out of your head out of your story and you know let's just bring your awareness into your chest and just breathe there you don't need to do anything okay now bring, maybe bring your awareness into your abdomen your belly you know you don't we're, just, we're not doing anything you know and just feeling into that space and just notice if anything comes up for you and notice maybe if there's any relationship to um you know you could maybe you you feel anxious maybe you feel depressed maybe you have some type of like addictive behavior there's a way to track the origins of that in the body and if we can be open and vulnerable enough to kind of open up our chest and or open up our abdomen or open up our pelvic floor and say like okay like you know what do you have anything to say anxiety do you have anything to say sleeplessness do you have anything to say obesity or irritable bowel syndrome or anger old repressed rage do you have anything to share and, and then when if you have the availability and the vulnerability yeah, yeah. um and, and and like the safety and the and typically the guidance to do that it's like oh you have a lot to say yeah. I had no idea because I haven't really had the capacity or know how to listen. Mm. And when you if you and then once that journey begins, then you realize it's validated. And you're like, oh, okay, all the stuff that I thought was just a bunch of like new age like hooey actually is rooted in something pretty interesting and something pretty impactful. That's the reason so many people are so popped up on it. It's just usually language. Language and deep visceral somatic experience. It's it's not the easiest to bridge that. Sometimes there's certain people that can bridge that well, and they're I think really valuable in culture. Um, but for the most part, it's kind of a lot of people. It's just it's hard to explain, and it's not scientific, and it's not measurable, and it wasn't 25 milliliters of repressed rage, you know, and it's not a double blind study. It's like human qualitative experience, mm -hmm. yeah. and Western culture isn't really about that as much as we are like quantitative experience well 
nobody really likes to see the darkness. Nobody really, nobody really wants to to see where their shortcomings are and where they need to heal. Because essentially, one of the most frustrating parts is is that your trauma is not your fault, but your healing is your responsibility. Yeah. One of the most important things that ther- my therapist told me a couple of years ago was that no one holds the keys for you. Like yeah. I was like, oh my god! I was like, I have to do this all myself. That's like overwhelming you know just to think that like this is all my fault and my responsibility to heal and move forward from but essentially that really is the work is like how do you shift how do you become someone that doesn't attract certain patterns or people that are not good for you and how do you shift your perspective so that you can see things in a new way and how do you change so that the things that you see change you know Mm. And, um, yeah, but when you were telling me, when you were telling stories at the very beginning about the stone figures and things, Mm. I immediately thought that was maybe from EMDR. Is that where you saw it? And through an EMDR journey? I've never, I've never done EMDR. You you have, you, it seems like you like it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's so, so good. I literally just did it yesterday. Oh, cool. (laughs) Um, it's, uh, it's a, yeah, if you've never tried it, it is like, it is like time travel. It is like psychedelic it is like an ayahuasca trip meets you know therapy because it's very poignant you know it's really to the point about something and yeah. then within the modality which i was trying to always rem- make sure people know emdr is not in any way crazy weird or challenging or dangerous it's literally just like my therapist uses a buzzer in each hand. So that just vibrates back and forth from side to side. It's not something you take. It's not something you have to, it's just, it's very simple. Yeah. Um, but it's like time travel. I cool. actually, I had a, have you ever heard of Dr. Amen? Yeah. I've had him on my podcast a couple, couple times. I've worked with him a little. I interviewed him as well after I went and had a brain scan and I was having a conversation with him and my doctor that I was working, that I have been working with for a long time. And some of the things that he said were the most beneficial to do were one hyperbaric but two EMDR. And he was like, just, and I had done EMDR a few times and I thought it was insanely powerful. And the stories that I was able to see were like unbelievable. I could see it not only from an observer perspective of myself, but the other person or the other dynamic I was looking at. I could see even like their own childhood programming of what made them like that and how their parents treated them. Mm -hmm. Um, I could see um, higher soul orchestration from an energy or entity above above this experience that was like maneuvering and making events happen for Mm. the benefit of the experience. Like it was, it's trippy. Um, but he just was like, it was a great thing to recommend, make a list of your top 10 traumas and then just go into EMDR and deal with them, go fix them. And I don't remember any memory that, uh, in the original form after EMDR, I only remember how I saw it in EMDR. Hmm. Yeah, memory is interesting. The the idea of like like what is memory in the first place, kind of gets in like what is time, you know. But like memory is a recapitulation of it's a memory of a memory of a memory of a memory. So and- you can you can develop a story about a thing, and you see this happen in court cases regularly, which is why there's a lot of people that are in jail yeah. for their whole life unjustly because someone had a memory of it was definitely that person is like, nope, your memory was not even close. <laughs> Okay, that is not what happened, tests. bro. Those aren't memory. Paternity <laughs> tests aren't memory, yeah. but other than that, <laughs> yeah. But so, but yeah. memory is interesting because totally. it's it's because it's it's painted by our filter of 
perception. Well, and so, and so it goes, it goes through filters. Jordan Peterson talks about this and someone else maybe, but just that memory is happens past, present and future essentially, because as soon as like, as, as soon as you have some event change, now the whole past changes and your future changes. So like right. with information and the way you remember, like, like the whole thing is intertwined into being an adjustment of reality in all ways. It's, um, hmm. yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it is trippy. I mean, memory yeah. is definitely, what about, um, I, uh, another sort of topic I've been um, riffing on with people is the idea of objective reality mm. and how you just said, you know, your perception, your lens colors the entire event. And so two people don't see the same event the exact same way. I'm betting that two people don't even see necessarily, like if I look outside at nature, like they're not, you and I wouldn't even see it exactly the same way. Things stand out, colors may be different. Like I don't think that that I, I wonder basically the the philosophizing is do you believe in objective reality? It's painted by your trauma, I would say, largely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that the trauma is the part. I think if a person, if there was two people that were completely unpacked, let's say that's a possibility. My sense is probably their their uh, objective experience of the world around them would be pretty similar in a lot of ways. It would be clear. Once you get a, a twist in the system and suddenly maybe I was raised with a dad that hit me. My dad didn't hit me, like you got spanked a few times or whatever, but you know, that wasn't a thing. Um, but maybe you, you did. And then every time someone raises their hand up to give you a high five, because you have an unprocessed oh, oh God, bracing around that, your experience with that high five dramatically different than someone that doesn't have that quote unquote trauma. So that I think is where it really, it, mm. it, it brews some deep like reactivity, mm -hmm. that reactivity really augments a person's perception. And then if a person feels, I think the resting state of the human being is uh, ease. If we feel safe to be at ease, if you learn that it is safe to be at ease, but if you haven't, if you've learned that you need to be on edge, you need to be on the ready, your dad that hits you comes home, you can hear the the subtlest little the, the the manner in which he opens the door. You become cued up to oh man, I think he's been drinking. He stumbled a little bit as he came in. Oh, he kind of slammed the door. Oh God, all my sphincters clench up. Like okay, here we go. Like this is this is what's happening, you know. And so that changes at a deep deep visceral level to come into a place of um, you know like reactivity. But if a person can actually process all of that and come to a place where like, you know, I've come into acceptance with all of the things I've actually seen and heard, you know, and, and, and just really deeply felt all of all of the emotions, and I can actually really come to this present timeline, I'm actually here. Mm -hmm. My sense is that's probably pretty, um, like a pretty conciliant experience where it's just, um, yeah, it's probably a, a lot of ease. I would, I would, yeah. I would imagine. Does that make sense? I know that's a little mm -hmm. wondery. I interviewed a a girl. Her name she goes by the Alchemist um, on Instagram and on YouTube. Sarah Alcaldi is her name, and we had a conversation about objective reality. And she said that the more you see reality through the observer perspective of your higher self, the 
closer, essentially the closer to enlightenment you are, which she's like, is not some massive thing. It's just you just understanding that you are everything. Um, but she's like, the more you can see it from that perspective, that is the, cause she said, so if there's a camera, cause my example was, you know, four people watch a car accident, you know, they all have four different stories, no matter how much they want to tell the truth about exactly yeah. what happened. And she said, well, and I asked about the observer or about objective. And she said, well, if there's a camera watching the event, that is the objective reality. So the more you can get above the trauma, the more yeah. you can get above those above yourself and your own narratives and perspective and see and see it from your higher self, the more the the then you're then you're seeing objective reality. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea that like enlightenment isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. I think I think enlightenment ultimately, I don't know that I've ever I might have had like fleeting moments where it's like, oh, it's pretty enlightened for a minute or something of the sort. But it's just, yeah, I think it, it's a it's a sensation of unicity. It's a sensation of connection. Um, that like oneness, all of the things that you know hippies talk about. It, I think that's pretty and then they they do a pretty deplorable job at actually explicating it and turning it into something that's digestible for someone that hasn't had that that experience. Uh, but I think the idea where I have weariness and skepticism is around someone that feels like they're in some level of like perma enlightenment mode. Mm. And that's where I'm kind of like, I just might not be enlightened enough to to get that in an embodied way. And so I'm like, okay, like, hmm, I feel like you're probably in denial um, of something. But I don't I don't know that enlightenment operates in that fashion where it's just a permanent thing. I think that like, there's a, a reference Ramdas a lot because I like him. Uh, but he he has a he has a bit about um, all of his neuroses. He's he still has all of them. Freaking Ramdas, you know, like he's like there's not many people I think that are beyond. I mean, he doesn't consider himself enlightened. I guess as well. He says I'm enlightened in some ways, but um, you know, I consider him pretty high up in the echelons of 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 consciousness. I guess you could say. And he says he has all of the the same neuroses since he's been a kid. It's mm -hmm. just before they were like these overwhelming monsters that yeah. owned him, whereas mm -hmm. now they're like these little kids. Mm -hmm. And you can see him pop up and like, oh, there's the sexual thing, or there's the greed, or there's the fear of being left That's out, the or here's the yeah. And so, that and has so, to be the observer because you're seeing yourself. This is why, like meditation, it structurally changes the gray matter in the brain. You know, like changes the shape of the hippocampus, changes the shape of the of the amygdala. Uh, it literally it, it 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 adds size to the hippocampus by sitting there and just being the observer. Uh, and then then that's that's not weird. That's just like the brain change. If you if you drink a bunch of alcohol, your brain changes. If you exercise, your brain changes. If you take a walk, like everything changes the brain. Mm. So by you by you sitting in observation, it mm -hmm. structurally changes the shape of your of your neurological system, which is hmm. pretty cool. But so so the reason I'm saying that is it's all a choice of where we place our attention. So if you place your attention, if you allow your attention to be dust in the wind in the modern world, I don't think it's wise because when you look at one, your attention is being vied for by, you know, advertisers largely. So they're trying to sell you stuff. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but oftentimes the way to sell a person on stuff, this goes back to, uh, it was actually the the nephew of Sigmund Freud 
uh, I'm spacing his name right now, but he was considered Edward Bernays. He was considered the the father of modern advertising. And what shifted that approach to advertising, I think it was like in the early 20s, it was around when, when like cigarettes become, were coming popular, um, was instead of advertising the actual objective qualities of the product, this car is really good. It's got this size engine. It's got these tires made in America. It's good, you know, good quality. There was a shift into more tapping into one's identity based off of owning this product. So if you own this product, you will be the coolest guy at school and you'll have muscles and all the girls (laughs) will love you. And it's like, it's, it's selling that, that story of selling selling the the narrative. You're selling the narrative of, of, of who I could be. Yeah, man. If I owned, if I was a, if I owned a MacBook, I would be a MacBook kind of guy. But it's it's baked into the cake to be bombarded by advertisements pretty much all day since you're a baby. <laughs> like TV's running, you're driving the car, you see billboards. Like it's everywhere. It's not bad. It's just the way it is. Mm. And most of them are saying you will be enough when you buy my shit. It starts to shift things around a little bit, you know. And so and so starting to unpack that uh i think you know it's, it's a whole process the the angle that i come in to any of these conversations it really is physicality so okay your back hurts you lack shoulder range of motion you have shoulder pain shoulder impingement syndrome you know your hips feel stiff your ankles don't move right uh you don't you're limited in your running uh you feel just achy aches and pains and you just like ugh, like crepitus in your body it's like that to me is my starting point because i feel like that's a great door into all of the conversations it gets into nutrition it gets into physical movement oh that just starts the conversation Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's a really important starting point because i i I feel like a person unless you're already you've already like drank the kool-aid of conversations like this i think it's hard for a person to be like that's really interesting but i have to i'm behind on my rent um i'm freaking out about my ex-girlfriend or girlfriend i have two kids they need to be fed uh my back is in terrible pain uh i can barely get out of bed in the morning like all this spiritual psychosomatic neuro endo whatever is like i this is this is where i'm at i need to sort this out people deal with whatever their biggest problem is at the moment and so you know um the world is telling you there's a million problems with you know propaganda with advertisements you're not enough you're not cool enough if you don't have this if you don't have enough more more money if you don't do this and that and then you know so what's their biggest problem freaking back is just annoying me every day like you know that's just where they start like you start with the biggest problem and so yeah you you sort of look at the body as essentially like the gateway drug to more what i would call a holistic life i think people i think people maybe three of people's top things would be uh health relationships and money those are three pain points where it's like i think spirituality you know and all that stuff i I don't think that's high in the ranking of Mm -hmm. of western culture at least Mm -hmm. and the reality like there's an interesting book i'm actually having the, the author of this book uh on the podcast coming up called the soul of money an interesting book and it it's one of the many books that kind of gets into money just being this this energetic flow you know and the way that we interact with is, money is is it's just a relationship thing 
you know, so so a person could be backed up on their relationship with money and be chronically saving and hoarding and oh, I don't want to let it go. Uh, and then it's like, oh, interesting. Like, well, where does that come from? Do you feel like there's the shoe is going to drop at any time and you're not going to have enough and you're like you're clenching, waiting for that to happen? Where did that come from? Oh, it might have come because you learned that in a validated way as a as a young kid or whenever like oh yeah the shoe does drop it will all be taken away you need to prep and then you become mm-hmm. a prepper and so there's the possibility to come back and say holy shit the way that i relate to my bank account is pretty darn spiritual in a way and pretty darn like metaphysical and pretty darn therapeutic yeah. you know and you could do the same thing with relationships oh my god i'm like clenching down on this relationship or maybe i'm resisting i'm staying distant i don't want to commit and it's like, oh, well, where did you learn that commitment's unsafe? Oh, maybe you learned that relationships don't work. Maybe you learned that if you do commit, you'll be left. You'll be hurt. You don't want to open yourself. Okay, interesting. Well, we could tap into that. So you you have this physical platform with, you know, the body and alignment and method for that. So then how do you use that? You're talking about all these other sort of, they are sort of looking at it in a systemic way. So what is your role then? beyond just body awareness? Great question. Uh, what my role would be where I place my hat because I don't I'm, I don't have enough expertise or depth in the other topics um, is the physical aspect. And so if the way that you feel will manifest itself in your in your tissues, you know like the issues are in the tissues. Oh yeah, mast and kip all the way. Right, exactly. So the issues are in the tissues. So I'll just be physical and work on the tissues and work on finding ease and grace and balance and removing the dis-ease from the body, from the lens of movement, which you can do. And then if you're able to actually create change in the body, it will start to spill into other aspects of a person's life. If you've been walking around the world, this is me, um, growing up very insecure, kind of like broken home type, type scenario. Um, really like great parents, lovely. I'm, I'm, I, I find myself being defensive around my parents. I think it's very common with people in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, loved me the best that they could, uh, had their own issues and really pretty decent home for a while. Dad ended up getting into drugs, went to jail, a lot of kind of stuff, you know, percolating there. Now dad's doing really well. He's now like starting to face his own issues around intimacy and things of the sort. We're having conversations okay. about it. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's very nice. Um, but my response to that, physical home feels unsafe. I will compensate by making by building my biological home, my body up as fast as I possibly can. I'm gonna get all the muscle and fitness magazines and all the bro magazines and eat all the supplements and be, you know, feeding myself every two hours and protein smoothies and creatine and like all of the different stuff. Lots of chicken, lots of farts. <laughs> Lots of just like like you know disease in my in my intestines, uh, but it got very big very fast. That led to chronic pain. That led to joint dislocations. That led to becoming a shittier athlete. I played ice hockey for a while. As I got more interesting to look at, my skills on the ice like digressed. It was like every six months, I'm like, wow, I'm a worse hockey player. But everyone thinks you know I, I'm like at the peak of my athleticism because I'm I'm really big now, and so. It literally, it was like a, I don't know, it was like an inverted pyramid in a way. Like I was, it was, I didn't have like a foundation. And I think the foundation is 
you know, the way that you feel, you know, and, and the, the way that I built my body was on top of this foundation of feeling insecure, feeling okay. unsafe, feeling like the shoe's going to drop, feeling like we're not sure if we're going to pay rent or the mortgage, not sure if dad's going to come home, not sure if we're going to have a house. So I'm going to, I'm going to go, whoa, okay, let's, yeah. let's build it up. Let's puff yeah. the chest out yeah. and let's kind of strut through the world to let the world know that I'm safe. I don't need help. I'm okay. And then 20 years later, you start messing up your relationships and, or messing up your whatever, something that's, it needs to be, it, you need to have something that's deep in order to start to create change. I, I believe typically it's relationships. I think like love. I, I, like for a man it's like the like the tenderness and the sweetness of like a girl a woman it's like oh there's something really powerful about that um it it does something and so for me that was kind of kind of my thing to be like oh man i didn't realize i learned when i was yes. young that relationships don't last mm -hmm. um and you know my parents got divorced my dad went to jail uh you know so and and growing up my dad was i think kind of like an alcoholic or like had like issues with drinking. Um, so I, I gather that now as being like, as a, as a little boy, I would almost have to receive his avoidance and numbing strategies as I'm not enough. Right. You know, or it's not really safe to actually feel um, like attuned and connected to you because you're not actually attuned and connected to yourself. Yeah. So me as this, really like vulnerable imprintable spongy being yeah. that needs to depend on you to keep me safe i'm gonna then reflect that back on myself and now it becomes my issues mm -hmm. because i need you to keep me safe as an infant mm -hmm. so whatever's happening with you mm -hmm. it's i'm gonna i'm gonna take that and just assume that you must kind of have your stuff together and then you know as a as a 30, you know, 40, 50, whatever year old, a person that that comes to a point where they they start to can, you know, reconcile some of that and realize like, oh, my parents are are just yeah. kids. They were just kids. Mm. And they had their own parents. Yeah. You know, and they were all of these things. And, you know, it, I think well. it starts to open up. And then having, I think having the vulnerable having the the opportunity to have vulnerable conversations with one's parents is also um, I found that to be really, really supportive as well even if i think they've they've passed i think there's there's ways i think you can maybe write letters to them or you know have your own kind of like sure. more spiritual connection to the parents but i think that connection to the parents is very valuable your childhood is a certain way that pr produces a certain kind of pattern and then that pattern plays out over and over and over again and so until we see it and that's the way it happens in you my world you need to confront it right so what was that so was that a more recent realization for you that yeah. um okay hmm. yeah like last two months wow oh wow that's very recent mm -hmm. wow. it's crazy it's so cool what's interesting is that i mean in preparing for the interview i i heard you saying what your goal for 2022 was in some older interview i listened to and your mm. goal was to to not chase because once you achieve sort of like a person, it becomes unattractive anymore and like oh, yeah. to stop with this dynamic of chasing. So oh, wow. the fact that here we are in 2023, just like, and that a couple of months ago, like it, to me, you said the pattern a year ago, over a year ago, that's what I heard was like, Oh, I'm not gonna. Uh, yeah. It's been there for a long time. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 
And so, so, but now, now I'm actually in a like broke down, uh, seeking help place, which is, which is a, a, a better disposition. Because oh, well, then you could I, actually, you could actually create change. If you just think your way through things, be like, oh, I'll meditate, <laughs> I'll meditate more, I'll like go eat some more mushrooms or something. Another uh, ayahuasca trip. I'll, wor I'll work out harder. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think really for me, I really needed therapy. I really needed a person. I needed like a, my sober mind to, um, you know, take account throughout the week and say like, okay, like what are these? Like, what are the? Where are my limitations? Like, where where am I not able to push the ball forward on my own? Uh, and that's like not an easy thing to admit as a guy. I I think for a lot of guys, or for me at least. Yeah, I, I want to talk about two directions, and I don't want to forget. But I want to talk about the role of you know you said a sober mind, which I I get what you mean from a kind of more macro perspective, but also like a truly sober mind versus achieving it through mushrooms or ayahuasca or iboga or whatever kind of modality you want to, whatever kind of medicine you think might give you the answer. Yeah. Um, you know that's one direction. Um, well, let's just start there. Let's just start yeah. there. Like you, you say, a sober mind was a different direction. Did you go a different direction to try and sort of reconcile certain things? Or, uh, you know, did you get, did you flounder around in that space for a while? Or was it a revelationary? Like, did you see, did you see so, a lot of truth? Yeah. I mean, I've done several ayahuasca ceremonies and psilocybin and, um, you know, things of the sort. Um, and I've, I've, I've garnered value from all of them, I would say. And I think there is something really special and meaningful about the same kind of thing of like learning to fish, you know, so in a way psychedelics, they can teach you to fish and they can open windows to things that like, oh, I just didn't know that was there. And now I see it. So now I need to go into my sober reality and start to create the structure around that sensation that I felt. But I think if you just get the epiphany and then you go back to who you were, nothing's going to change. Like it, it really was nothing more than like an expensive trip to Costa Rica. You know, so so I think it, it, it you need to have the integration and you need to have the restructuring, and it it takes work. And I think the work comes not being super high on something. I think the work comes in this like sober world. And sober is, you know, kind of a weird word. I don't mean sober, you know, in like the AA. Yeah, area. I knew you didn't, but I also was curious about plant medicine anyway. Yeah, I don't have strong opinions about about all of all of the like AA and all. I've I've been to AA before for love addiction, um, and for alcohol, but not because I drank alcohol. I was just interested in the meetings. Um, okay. <laughs> and there's something really beautiful about AA, like that being being around a group of people that are. They're, it's it's very um, religious in a way. It's very like Christian, mm -hmm. um, which I think there, there's value in that philosophy as well. Uh, and a big part of that is really being like humbled to your knees. Like that's kind of the vibe of AA. Like mm -hmm. I was on my feet. I was messing it up. I'm now on my knees. Like I'm prostrating myself. Like I can't do it alone. There's something really beautiful about that. And being around a bunch of people ranging from, you know, successful celebrity, you know, whatever superstar people to people that are, you know, a meth addict in the street, all being in that place where like, I can't do this alone. Like I need help. Uh, vulnerability. It's the vulnerability part. Which it's not, other, it's, it's the other part of my question had to do with that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think it, before you, 
start to lean into those aspects of yourself, I think it's it's um, I don't know it's it's scary. It's just shameful. I think is the big thing for me. It just feels shameful to not be strong enough to not be uh, able to be like the provider and the supporter and the teacher and the healer mm. to be like no like I need help. Mm-hmm. It's not. It doesn't sound sexy to say, but and then the the reality is, I think actually it is it is quite a, attractive. If you're stuck in that, then it becomes less attractive. But having access to that is, it's like a part of being a, a, a whole human being. Which the meaning of health uh, is an old English word that means whole. Mm. So health whole. If, if and that's where I would come from the the perspective of the physical stuff. The things that I share on the internet are mostly like exercise based and training and mobility and you know nervous system regulation using like breathing practices and stuff like that but behind all of that i think that these are the things that i think are more interesting to like talk about and you know reflect on and think about and integrate in your own self yeah Yeah. how do we how do we become whole exclusively physical modalities is a process of becoming whole when I think of holy or even enlightenment, in it just like I think of light filling in the shadows and the the where where we split or where we fraction off in our childhood in many many ways to cope and survive. Like it's about how do we reconcile that 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 aspect that we've closed off, shut down, put in the dark, mm-hmm. don't want to see. Um, you know, how do we, how do we light, bring light to the whole, the whole vessel, the whole being, the whole, the whole, um, consciousness, the whole reality of you. That's Um, the definition of health. mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's, and there, and there are for most people, there are shadowy, scary nooks and crannies within ourselves. Yeah. And it's, and, 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 and just being, and just being open to that as a concept you don't even necessarily need to buy it completely and be like okay like yep that's it but just be just kind of like set that on the shelf of like okay there's are there any parts within myself that i'm i'm not even willing to look at and that's one and, and at some point in a person's life this is comes from my interview with gabor as, as well um one of the things he shared was there's like four pillars of a healthy child and one of them is that a child needs to feel safe to express every emotion <laughs> so if you grow up and at some point you learn from your caretakers that it's not okay to be angry mm-hmm. or it's not okay to be you know, sad or it's not okay to be anything. One of the most damaging things you could do to a child, I, I believe, and that's, you know, what, what Gabor shared is, is instilling that belief that, okay, there's some ways of being that are, are okay. And then there's some other ways of being that, that are not okay. These are bad. Mm-hmm. So now I will, instead of feeling my anger or my rage, which is a completely healthy uh, disposition, like you have anger circuits in the brain that's like they're they're there. Mm-hmm. And so if you're like, no, we will shut that part down because mm-hmm. this household doesn't accept that, then it's like okay. But now it's I think it's comparable to like putting a piece of steak under your rug and be like, cool, like we don't see it. You know, it's, it's, it's just, we'll just, we'll just put that right underneath there and it's fine for a while. Cause I don't see it anymore. What's the stake like in a month? What's the stake like in a year? What's the stake like in 20 years? You know, what's the, what does that start to do to the rug? The juices start seeping through the rug. Maybe it starts to go a little mold. Now you have a whole life. There's a whole ecosystem growing around this initial piece that you weren't willing to look at. The longer you go without addressing it, 
hiring a carpet cleaner, you know, maybe you need to get a whole new rug. You know, maybe you need to like do deep work on cleansing this rug and processing this rug. It will just fester and go deeper and deeper into all the annals of your life. Yeah, it's totally Jordan Peterson. Slay the dragon when it's small before it becomes a monster, you know? you know? A lot of what we're talking about therapy in particular is reliant on you being vulnerable. Like it's probably still not even easy to be vulnerable with a therapist at times for people because they just think, well, I don't need to say that, but or I don't want to cry. But men are being called and asked more and more to access this vulnerability within them to be able to connect with themselves on a deeper level so that they can connect with the feminine. And this is a really fine line between, you know, connecting and not being able to hold the relationship in a masculine way. There's so much talk these days about toxic masculinity and like, let's not forget there's, there's toxic femininity and, uh, but, but the masculine and this vulnerability and how you reconcile that. And if you feel like you understand it or are in a good place with it. I think, yeah, it's just a balance. I, I think like that, I think culture presently is being instructed more towards like toxic femininity, you'd say, which you don't hear that tossed around too much because it's more like the patriarchy is bad, masculinity bad, you know, it, it, don't be too, don't be too much masculine within that you will probably get a, an imbalance in the other direction. And I think that you can go into like, maybe perhaps toxic femininity where a person is, I think you can be too much just listening and too much just nurturing and too much just soft and too much just oh, oh. like you also need to like have a having like that's the father. Like it's like, no, buck up. We need to get this done. Let's mm -hmm. go. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, oh, wow. That was that was kind of stern. Mm -hmm. That was like directive. You know, it's and so if we're just in that if we're too too soft, like David guys, like stay hard. Like you don't want to just stay hard, <laughs> but you also don't want to just stay soft. <laughs> there's there's a middle point, you know. Right. So it's like it's like bread, you know. There's bread's like too hard. Like stay hard. It's like no, it's too hard. You burnt the bread. It's like too soft. It's like well, it's not ready. No, <laughs> right outside. <laughs> the world's dangerous. <laughs> so what do you do? How do you deal with it? I think you you engage. I think you have mentors and peers and people that you look up to and respect um i think you uh, i think i'm in process with this personally i don't think that i'm like a guide in this personally i feel like i'm like i'm very much in process um but i think masculine things would be uh creating calendars and schedules and things to stay on time stay on task be directive mm. if i say a thing i will do a thing like keep your word um, you know, you could read the four agreements, you know, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, you know, like one of the things is just like, like, stay honest, keep your word. I think that's one of them mm -hmm. in there. Don't take things personally, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like let it, let it scuff off. Like, oh, like, you know, it's just like water on a rain jacket. Like, okay, like, yes, but here we are. Let's, let's keep moving. Um, I think having, you can adjust your masculine, um, your masculinity or the way that you show up as a, ma a masculine person or that aspect of yourself through augmenting the way that you move. Um, an example of that would be maybe like if you're staring your phone all day long and you're hunched over in a chair and your body's kind of like dilapidated and collapsed and you're not getting enough sunlight and you're eating a bunch of food that's causing you to have 
blood sugar issues and you know all sorts of problems you're not ready to to be of service mm. like you're not you're not ready to show up and like be the leader like you're at a deficit that's not very masculine you know so masculine is cool i've done my preparation i've organized my notes i've got my fuel in i've got extra water let's go that's like whoa that's that's pretty cool you know and then the, the the feminine aspect would be practicing meditation practicing deep listening with friends or a partner um practicing art practicing dance like fluidity um spending time in nature actually like opening yourself up to how does nature move you how does nature make you feel how does the sun on your skin make you feel how does the taste of the grapes that you're eating or you know whatever whatever sensual experience that you're having opening yourself up to that hmm. oscillating between that that's not a biological male female thing that's a human thing totally yeah and and so yeah. both of those both of those are, are are valuable it just so happens generally biological females typically are have a, a stronger disposition towards more feminine stuff uh -huh. and men typically have a strong disposition towards more masculine stuff men are good at defense yeah men are good at protecting mm -hmm. men are good at staying hard <laughs> women are really good at um you know nurturing caretaking caretaking yeah. and yeah like connecting with a child and like a, like a home and building like a warm nest Faith. it's so mm -hmm. beautiful yeah. And we're living in a, a world where that's all getting a little like shaken up. So do you think that it's when you're properly in your masculine that you feel comfortable to be vulnerable and get into the feminine? Probably, or, do yeah. you, or is this just a separate practice of, or maybe you could explain perhaps where you feel the most vulnerable. Like what makes you feel like you can be vulnerable? What are those environments? I think a person that feels insecure will end up compensating and it will uh, show up as quote unquote toxic anything. Mm -hmm, so toxic right. masculinity. Mm -hmm, sure. So that's the, that's the person that, you know, they've got a barbed wire tattoo around their steroided tricep bicep situation. And they've got, you know, a Corvette with flames going out the out the back, and they're fucking doing donuts. And what's like, wrong with like, that? What's uh, wrong with that? Wrong? Oh yeah, that's kind of, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> but you know, like the person where you see it, like it's like all attention goes to that person in the street. Really loud music, whatever. It's oh, like I, I immediately think they have a small penis. Immediately, small penis, or they just <laughs> don't feel seen. You know, and it's and it's it's to, to to me, and that could be my own projection, whatever. But to me, it's I'm like, oh, okay, like I see, I see that as like, oh, okay, that person wants to be seen, mm -hmm. you know. And so for that, they feel like maybe they're not worthy of being seen. Mm -hmm. So then they're going to compensate and go into however each person has their own flavor of compensation. But the toxic masculinity, quote unquote, toxic masculinity one, I think would probably be like, I don't feel man enough. Uh, I don't feel like a uh, supportive partner or mate on a team or in a community uh, i don't feel dependable i i don't i don't feel like i trust myself i don't have self-trust uh, i don't have self-love you know so i'm gonna i'm gonna compensate and show you why i am good enough and then you can come to a point where you start to work through that mm -hmm. and then once that starts to get worked through either through 
uh, recapitulating your trauma, which is what a person does. That gets that's like uh, the Peter Levine awakening the tiger within uh, type uh, perspective of all like the somatic experiencing and such, among other trauma based modalities and therapies and perspectives. But essentially, we will start. We will resurface our our trauma until we heal it. And so every time you have, you get into a new relationship and, oh, we're doing the same thing. Oh, here we are. Uh, every time you, there's a story he actually has in that, in that book where there's a, a, a man that was in, I believe it was the, it was Vietnam or some, I don't remember the exact war, but on a date, it was like July 7th or something. He lost one of his close friends in, in war. And he would show up at a quickie mart every year on this date and he would pseudo rob the quickie mart with a with like a fake gun underneath his shirt and it was like his hand old you know senile you know like not really totally with it with it guy deeply traumatized mm. and he would act out this situation cops would come guns drawn He's recapitulating or recreating this trauma because mm. it's it's in him. And so he's he's finding ways for it to come up to the surface because at a subconscious level, the 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 body, mind, spirit wants to heal. It's a healing system. You get a scar, you cut yourself, the body just heals. That's what it does. Mm -hmm. If you have a scar and you are irritating it all the time. It's not going to heal. The body wants to heal. It yeah. just need you need to remove the barriers to allow it to heal. Yeah, you know, and that's like there's a, a Rumi quote. I think he says, uh, "Your task isn't to to love. Your task is to remove the barriers restricting you from love." If you were to sort of break it down for people for a couple of really beneficial physical um, activities, yeah. and then a couple of really beneficial mental, emotional activities. How would you guide people to the next level of their awareness of themselves? I think just, you could just say the physical and that would be uh, like tie in with the mental, emotional, obviously, like I said, like, I think getting therapy is a good idea. If you have a good therapist, I think just seeing someone just talking about your problems, like it, it could be really good, but I think it really comes like vetting out a therapist something that i found really helpful actually was i talked to someone that i know and trust who is i i'm very grateful that i have access to people like this who's like a, a world-renowned coach therapist type person so he has access to all of these things but i seeked out that person who i'm very grateful is just a friend so i just text him but i seeked him out and i said here's my thing who do you recommend and he's like ah this 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 is it like this person so to me that was a really cool thing compared to uh just looking up in like the you know googling for therapist near me or something like that mm -hmm. i don't know if that's the best thing or going through like your insurance or something I don't, I don't i don't know you know emdr is a is a physical practice you know so if you're taking a walk the way that emdr was discovered from my understanding was the the founder she discovered it from taking a walk and noticing the effect of scanning the horizon and as you're scanning the horizon, you're going back and forth, you're looking and you're walking and you're moving, that's sending the signal to your deep autonomic state, your, your deep physiology that, oh, you're moving towards progress compared to I'm being attacked, you know, and I feel frozen, you know, there's, there's fight, 
flight, and then there's freeze. Like that's another aspect of that cycle. If if a person has the opportunity to actually like move their body and look up, look up into the clouds, scan the horizon back and forth, like mobilize yourself. Mm-hmm. That's sending a deep signal that you're moving towards progress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's it is an, an emotional experience. Like that's why a lot of the best ideas come from a person taking a walk. That's why Steve Jobs, you know, invested millions of dollars on having a walking path outside of their facility so that his employees could go be creative and take a walk and get sunlight and get outside. That would be one thing I would say, just like get outside. You know, most of the modern diseases, they're you could refer to them as as diseases of mismatch. And what that means is, is just our physiology is mismatched to this modern environment that we created. So we mm-hmm. created this really convenient environment, but we neglected the fact that a lot of that inconvenience is actually what turns us at a cellular level. Mm. So now we take that off of the table and now we outsource all of that healing movement to technology. And we just get kind of like stuck up and claustrophobic and dehydrated in our own cells. You mm. need to move. You need to express in order to be healthy. It's just the way that it is. Yeah. yeah so, so easy ways to do that, I would say, would would be, and this is like, I, I wrote a whole book about this, essentially, is how to, how to integrate fitness into who you are as a person, as opposed to it being like this compartmentalized thing that you do three days a week. Um, you know, your whole day is fitness. And so an example of that would be like, take walking meetings. Mm. Um, you're getting natural sunlight, you know, full spectrum sunlight as opposed to sunlight through a window, which you're blocking out a certain spectrum of the light. Uh, So that's a big deal as well. Uh, So you need to get out of, just because you have a window in your house, it's better than not having a window, but you need full spectrum sunlight. It's like eating a supplemented form of food. It's just, you just need food. Like your body runs on sun. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, sunlight, like incorporating that into your quote unquote fitness, uh, walking is a really beautiful way to help with consolidation of memories. So if you're working on like a hard problem of some sort or just work in general, st- you're studying for a test or something, uh, maybe study hard for some duration of time that feels good for you. And then intentionally say, cool, instead of taking a break from this and checking my notifications on my phone and like kind of dilapidating myself over into this position and staring into my phone, I'm going to intentionally walk outside move my body, integrate the hemispheres of my brain slash the rest of my body and reflect for a moment and like mm. process. Like that's, that's walking is one of the greatest things you can do for yourself. And yeah, it's not, walking. it's not sexy. And that's how you know it's good. Most, <laughs> of the, most of the sexy stuff are not that long of levers for your health. You know, it's the, the long levers are God, you know what? pretty simple. Shit. I mean, CrossFit is a perfect example of that. That's not a very long lever, man. That's that that runs its course before you end up being beat up. I'm well, the long them. the long lever aspect of CrossFit is community, and that's the 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 longest. That is the longest lever, I would say. Sunlight, I would say, is probably the first. Sunlight, nutrition, and then community. I would say, like the the mm-hmm. base fundamentals, like you need to eat and you need sunlight. Next is community. Mm-hmm. Period. There's nothing. It's not money. It's not. It's like you need community. Yeah. Community makes money. You don't make money without community. You don't make money alone. I mean, I think, I don't remember if you've talked to Zach Bush or not, but the first time I interviewed him back in 19, um, you know, he started, studied cancer cells and what created, what created cancer. And it was a lack of cell communication, which is essentially 
I believe that this universe is fractal. So like we are an aspect of that. And so when we fall out of community, when we fall out of cell communication, then um, bad things happen. Yeah. 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 Or, or the right thing. It's signals. There's, mm -hmm. if, if, if we don't do the thing, signals happen. But I, the best definition for pain that, that I, I really value is, is pain is a request for change. So pain is just your body's way of saying, I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is. If you listen enough, it's like a relationship. Like your relationship to your body is a relationship. Oh my God. So, yeah. It's telling you things. And like, you think it's not actually telling you things. It is. If you listen to your intuition, if you actually try and take a second and pause and just trust it, even though it doesn't always tell you what you want to hear, there's yeah. actually information within the signal of pain. Uh, re relating your relationship to pain as just a conversation and it's just a request for change and it's just communication mm -hmm. and it's not bad you're not wrong you know it's not like it, it it's not something to be um destroyed or attacked i'm gonna attack the pain it's like you there's ways to actually come into relationship with it and like listen like listen even more mm -hmm. and within that i think it's it's if if you do allow yourself the spaciousness uh to listen and typically it's, it involves like hiring help i think is really helpful if you have the resources to do so um or maybe read books you know youtube videos things of the sort you know to get to get to the bottom of the thing but the, i don't think there's a such thing as pain expressed in the body that's just because the body is malicious and just because life is hard i think it's it's i think it's it's all miscommunication and the body is trying to convey a message and the way that it speaks isn't yeah. in you know english or spanish or whatever the way that it speaks is in sensation yeah and the way to tap into it is through tapping into your 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 sensation which well, comes into very i think feminine approach that's mm -hmm. the feminine Yes, I need to, totally. I need to listen yes. deeply. Feminine. What is the information telling me? And you know, I think the the word that just came to mind, which is obviously such a such a word for you, is when you're out of alignment, mm. um, the body will give you information. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's emotional alignment, mental alignment, physical alignment, your body's going to give you information when you're out of alignment. Yeah, yeah. It'll feel like chaos. Mm. It's the same thing if if if, if you have a railroad track and there's a, a train going down it and the track is in misalignment it's going to create noise and sparks and right. all that in the in the human experience that would maybe look like anxiety or fill in the blank thing but anxiety to me looks like sparks and noise and oh, it's like that's the that's the feeling of it yeah you know yeah. and so and so oftentimes within the, like the spiritual community um i i experience uh sometimes a, like a lack of stability a lack of uh like ground earth and and so within that i think sometimes it's like what the body needs in that situation is maybe some bone broth you know or maybe some deadlifts or maybe some bench press or maybe like you need iron you need to like feel resistance and feedback and you need to organize and recruit yourself and you need to push and you need to go, you need to think you can't do it and you need to keep going through. That's like, whoa, that, oh, oh, masculine now. Okay, I understand. I know so, that one well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then you can go too far with that where now you're not listening. 
you grind too hard. That's kind of the the the, the issue with much of the the CrossFit world. That makes sense that there's probably reasons that you were attracted to that in the first place. Probably relates to like your personality and old stuff from before that. It's not bad. It's not good. We just seek out the things that we're biased towards based off of our history. And the more that we know about ourselves, the more that we can make more informed decisions as the observer and also, you know, the like the 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 engager. You yeah. don't want to just observe. You also want to be in it because then you can get too. You can be too. Oh, I'm observing. It's like sometimes you got to let go of observation too. Wow. If you want, if you want to dance, you don't want to be in the observation of the dance. You want to no, be in can't. the dance. You're right because, like, m- one of the last epiphanies in a psilocybin journey was that I was like this waveform, and that that's what I was at a baseline reality, and that 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 this this sort of experience of being a human was just waveforms intersecting, and for it's truly just for your experience. So like, you can't just be observing of like, oh, that's the dynamic. You got to be able to feel it. And so Mm -hmm. I remember I was laying there and I was like, I was cold. And then I was like, wait, I'm not actually cold. This is just waves intersecting. And then it was like, the energy was like, told me, no, 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 it's okay. Grab a blanket. You're just cold. It's just the experience of cold. Like there's, it's not like you have to deny its reality. It's your reality in this realm. And so, you know, you just kind of, yeah, have experiences, allow yourself to, this is all, it's the the learning in my opinion will never end. And Mm. that we'll always be on this journey of continuing to, you know, peel away the layers of our conditioning and of um, where we have, you know, fractioned off and, and and hid certain aspects of ourselves because they didn't serve whatever was going on in our life. So I don't know. Let's finish off with what um, I'm curious. What what's the next thing? You know, I, I was kind of inspired by you saying what your goal in 2022 was, which sounds like what became a reality. You sort of like a, arrived at this um, uh, challenge or this um, awareness of yourself. So what's 2023? Uh, we just launched a program, which I, I mean, I can pitch, but I won't like pitch it too hard. Uh, but that's been something we've been focused on for the last year. And that's been really big for me around organization. Mm-hmm. It's just saying like a lot of the stuff that I've done on the internet, my, my, my background is like this, like somatic therapy type stuff, but manual therapy. So rolfing and like working with organs, visceral manipulation, uh, cranial sacral therapy type stuff, and then mm-hmm. physical movement. You know, mm-hmm. training people to move better. Uh, and then that shifted into starting this podcast eight years ago. And that was around just having conversations with people that I was really inspired by and wanted to learn from. Uh, and then starting social media. And it's been like a lot of historically, a lot of stuff of like, okay, like just what if I'm interested in kind of a lot of stuff you hear from this conversation. And like, what is my role of like my service? Like, where do I serve the world best? But that quality is, I think, is very fulfilling. You know, feeling like, oh, yeah, like especially for probably a lot of guys or maybe just all people. But that sensation of like, what is my role in the tribe? Sure. Am I a carpenter? Am I, you know, what, like, am I an electrician? And so that's been really supportive to me to really define things that writing the book, the Align Method was supportive for that as well. Uh, but then doing the program even more because it's broken down into six six weeks. Each week is very specific. Uh, and the offerings within that, it gives me definition and containment of like, this is what it is. If it's not within those six weeks, then it's not really a part of the brand so much presently. 
And so that's something I'm 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 really excited about is creating more um, definition and structure within my business. Uh, and then within like the heart stuff, I think really facing head on intimacy and commitment and not being a coward, I think is a big thing. I feel like I'm a coward. I've historically been very much like a coward hmm. of like being afraid, hmm. you know, and, 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 uh, I'm, I'm good with that. Like I'm, I'm good with, with not being that. You know, and opening myself up to to taking bullets, you know, and be like, okay, like I'm I'm gonna open myself up to this, and I not might get destroyed. I will be destroyed. Like it's going to happen. And if you open yourself up to love, you're probably you're gonna have a much more enriched, fulfilled, like open experience with life. And at some point, your love will everything. Everything has its sunrise and sunset, and it will be painful. And I think that I don't it, think I don't think that's true. You say that there might be someone really? out there that's like the bodhisattva, like has a total enlightenment. You're like, but they might be out there. So yeah. I think that it's important that you understand that it might be out there that you're not turned to ash by being ready to take the bullet, by being ready wow. to step into it. There's a uh, absolutely a chance that that won't happen. Yeah, maybe. But grief is important. You know, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't well, think you can grieve aspects of yourself that have to die, but it doesn't mean that a person's going to do that to you. No, no, I don't mean do that to me. I mean, they're going to die, you know, or they're going to like, like life, you know, any person that you choose to open your heart to say you're in a beautiful relationship with someone for 30 years or whatever. Um, not that that's the ideal. Maybe, I don't know. There's probably a lot of models of relating to, to people that, that could work. My preference is more towards that. Um, and but at some point, one of you is going to die. Oh, okay. I thought you meant that it would be like some tragic relationship. No, 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 no. I'm, no, I'm, I'm oh, saying okay. if you yeah, if you, if you open yourself life. up, there will be grief. Oh, sure. And so, so, oh, so, like, okay. just accept, like, yeah, yeah. yeah like, I'm, I'm here for it. Sure. Like, yeah. I'm, like, I, I, I know this is going to be hard, and I, and that's what life is. That's me mm -hmm. opening up to like mm -hmm. actually eating the avocado of life as opposed to like i'm just i don't really try i don't know if they might have salmonella it's i'll just read about avocados and i'll become i'll like pontificate you know and 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 philosophize about avocados and their depth and meaning because I, I know eat the fucking avocado mm -hmm. you know like take the risk you know and so i think that, i think that that would be something for me is is really facing head on like where am i still afraid uh, and where do I still have subtle levels of maybe sabotage or maybe manipulation of other people, of myself, uh, and just being very honest with those parts and not seeing them as, uh, you know, bad or shameful, yeah. but mm -hmm. just seeing them and saying, oh, this is, this is what it is, you know, like yeah. that. Wow. Wow. Like, whoa, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I, damn, I didn't, I didn't. I wasn't even willing to look at that before. So I, I'd like to keep on um, learning, I guess, about about all of those those parts that I haven't been able to see. I love hearing about um, a man's journey and and how he flows through the the landscape of what it is to be a man these days. I don't think that the culture makes it easy these days, but also makes it so much more open for so many for it to look so many ways. So mm. um, and to be honest, so. Well done. Well done. Let's all get in alignment. I'm with that. Thank you. I appreciate that, Danica. I appreciate the the 
reflection of that. And that's, 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 I think that sometimes that can be like uh, not always the easiest thing to like receive compliments. Sometimes for people, it's like easier to receive like, oh, how could I do better? But for yeah. to, to actually receive someone who's like, oh, this is this is like you're doing good. Thank you. Thank you for this. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.